I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Well, we've avoided it for this long. Probably the only movie that's considered a Disney classic that we haven't done yet. Time to let it go with Frozen. And this year, you know, we've talked about anniversaries. This year, Frozen turns 10 years old. Can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. It feels like forever and not a day has passed. For the first time in forever? (sighs) For the hundredth time in forever. (laughs) But, yeah, Frozen. This movie has such a unique story behind it that it took 70 years for this movie to get made. And you always get those stories. You know, we talk about how long it took Return to Oz to get made and Little Mermaid to get made and Tangled and, you know, movies like Treasure Planet where these they were ideas that go back decades and decades. Uh, Frozen originally started as its original story, The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, way back in the day, Disney and MGM had a partnership to do the movie Hans Christian Andersen with Danny Kaye. And Disney's part was that they were going to do animated segments of uh, Hans Christian Andersen's stories, specifically The Little Mermaid and The Snow Queen. Obviously, talks broke down. And the mo- and that never happened. And Hans Christian Andersen, the movie, went on, got, ma- got released in 1952 without Disney's involvement. And it always bugs me every time I, I, find, I remember that story is how I don't know how different the movie would have been, but how visual, how unique that situation would have been to have Disney and MGM working together on this musical, you know? I mean, personally, I love the movie we got. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hans Christian Anderson movie with Danny Kaye is one that I love, and I love the songs uh, from it, you know, Inchworm and Ugly Duckling and mm. all that. But it, I mean, it would have been a you're right that it would have been a very different movie. Yeah. So. But uh, as, as, as we've said before, Disney never throws away an idea. So they've been they tried to make their own film based on both the Little Mermaid and uh and the Snow Queen. We've talked about that all the way back in our very first episode, which was the Little Mermaid. But yeah, they've tried so many different times to make to make the movie and it never quite gelled right. Mostly probably due to the odd nature of the way the Snow Queen story goes, since the Snow Queen kind of disappears during the last chapter yeah she's really just there to kind of instigate 
first part of the story. And then the rest of the story is the children dealing with the fallout from the Snow Queen having shown up. Yeah. How do you do that and keep and justify calling the movie the Snow Queen when your, quote, main antagonist isn't really in a lot of of the story? One of the versions that got pitched was apparently by Harvey Firestein. I was getting to that. Uh, Harvey Uh, Firestein. Yeah, yeah. I mean... No, I mean he's a Broadway legend in his own right. Now yeah. Broadway, now Broadway producer in his own right. So yeah, when he was doing Mulan, he pitched an idea for the Snow Queen. They never went with it, but it, it's it's kind of interesting what his his version of the Snow Queen would have been. Very, I mean, we'll never know what it is because that version was never. Uh, that version never went anywhere, but it's kind of weird to see what that would have gone with. But uh, after the Hans Christian Andersen story, uh, Hans Christian Andersen movie fell through, uh, they tried to turn it, turn the Snow Queen into a ride at Disneyland. And it was going to be cold theme, very, you know, it's going to be Arctic theme with a lot of penguins and polar bears and abominable snowmen. And then at the end of the ride, you would see the Snow Queen waving to the to the riders, and that ride never happened. Uh, obviously, what you said with Fire, Harvey Firestein, and then uh, somewhere around the early two thousands, this story was this concept was picked up again, but in a very very different style. Completely, I mean, if you think Frozen steers away from the original source material. The early 2000s concept, this was when Michael Eisner was still working, uh, was still the head of Disney. It would have been really weird because apparently he wanted the Ice Queen, as he called it, to be sort of a Disney version of the Taming of the Shrew. In which there's this cold-hearted queen trying to find a suitor and all of them are like phony. So she freezes them. And then here comes this average Joe kind of guy that melts her cold heart and they fall in love and yada, 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 yada. That sounds awful. And uh, another version of the story that was going to get picked up was Anna going to see the snow queen to ask the snow queen to freeze her heart because she just got it broken by her boyfriend and she never wanted to love again. That was a, yeah. A bunch of strange uh, ideas to try to make this movie happen. Uh, apparently it was originally going to be a 2D film. But because uh, The Princess and the Frog did not go up to expectations. And Winnie the Pooh bombed. There, That was the end of 2D animation feature films at Disney for a pretty much up until now. So it had to be CG. They went with CG. They still had problems trying to figure out what to do with this. They were trying to make this movie happen. And then someone said, well, let's make Anna and the Snow Queen sisters. And everything fell into place. Anna was still, um, yeah, the original character from the Snow Queen was changed to Anna. The boy was changed to Kristoff. Snow Queen with Snow Queen, given the name Elsa. Anna and Elsa are now sisters. 
Elsa was supposed to be the villain. Uh, there was like some leaked footage that got out before the movie came out that um, showed Elsa in a more dark light, very, very aggressive in nature, which they ultimately threw out because the people that wrote the songs for this movie, Robert Lopez, Christian Anderson Lopez, they wrote the songs for WandaVision. They wrote a lot, uh, you know, they wrote so many songs for Disney movies up to this point, but it kind of started here. Yeah, and at the at the time they got pitched for this, they were working on the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So that's uh they were in in New York doing Broadway things when Disney showed up and was like, "Hey, want to do a musical for us?" I mean, bringing in Broadway songwriters has worked in the past. Harold Ashman can, and you know, why not do it again? It's a proven commodity. And the the Lopez's wrote a song that was supposed to be the villain song for Elsa. And when hearing this song, it completely changed the movie. They heard this song and completely rewrote the entire movie. Yes, you know the song. It's the song everybody knows. Yeah, let it go. Changed the entire movie. Everything seemed to click into place. Elsa went from the antagonist to a misunderstood hero. Which, I mean, we have Adina Menzel playing a misunderstood character in a musical. I think she knows how to do that. I'm just going to say it. This was not a movie that I was terribly interested in seeing from the trailer. Like, I knew Disney had a movie coming out and everything, but the, the trailers didn't really do a good job of selling it. The only major trailer we got was, like, was Olaf and Sven on ice. Very little was explained in trailers prior to the movie's release, and that was because they had to completely rewrite and reanimate the entire movie with less than a year to go because the Lopez's wrote this song. But the first thing I really saw of the film, other than the, these kind of really lackluster trailers, was... Right when the movie hit theaters, Disney released that full clip of Let It Go from the movie with zero context. It starts with Elsa removing her gloves in the the mountains and singing that song 
with zero context up until she slams the door, you know, with the cold never bothered me anyway, and the door slams. And that clip of just the song, zero context, and they put it up on their YouTube page. I and mean, someone sent it to me, and that was the first thing. It was like, here's Idina Menzel's new song from Disney's new movie, and they knew that I was both a Disney fan and an Idina Menzel fan, and they sent it to me, and I watched it, and I grabbed the other person in my household and was like, you have to hear this, and we watched it together. And as soon as it was done and they just went, wow, this is a good song. And I was like, I hope you like it because I guarantee you, you are going to be hearing that song nonstop for at least the next year. And it, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was like, I have no idea what this movie is about, but I have to see it now. And I guarantee that is going to be the song that's about to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the two things I said after seeing that clip, and it was the best marketing Disney has ever done. I mean, it's worked in the past. I mean, when Lion King came out, it was just Circle of the Life. The Circle scene. of Life. That was the entire trailer. It just started with the Circle of Life and ended and said the Lion King. And it's just that's how the movie begins. They just released the first scene in the movie, the first song in the movie. And nothing got you more hype in the tra than that trailer when that trailer hit. I mean, and they, and they did it again with Pocahontas. They just released the Colors of the Wind segment. And it worked. <laughs> and honestly, that should have been the trailer for the movie, but they didn't think to do it until the movie was in theater, and then they put it on YouTube. But yeah, um, this also was that weird, even today, there's that weird trend of whether intentional or not, it falls into that trend. And I kind of mentioned it earlier of Disney doesn't have the right to Wicked, so they're going to try to keep making their version of Wicked. It started with Oz the Great and Powerful. You can add in Maleficent. You can add in Cruella. And, you know, hey, we can't make Wicked the movie. Let's get the star of the Wicked musical and put her in our movie. Because if you play Let It Go and Defying Gravity back to back, am I wrong? I mean... I think if you give just Idina Menzel any kind of big ballad like that, it's going to kind of sound like that. Um, but the, the thing is, though, is that the original story is, I mean, it does have that Love conquers all thing, and you can kind of read it in a very sibling way, even though the two children involved are a boy and a girl, and they're kind of next-door neighbors, I think, in the original story. I think so. So, yeah, if you want to get 
into the like, oh, you know, they're going to grow up one day and get married, maybe, because they're not technically related. But also, like, they're, they're like eight or something, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to put any sort of romantic whatever into them because they're like eight, you know? So it really is just, in even in the story, it's described as a pure child, innocent love, you know? They're best friends. They are best friends, and they live next to each other, and it's a very kind of brotherly, sisterly kind of relationship. Um, This is her playmate she plays with every single day, and he gets frozen by the Snow Queen, and her love for him and her desire to go find him and save him is what saves him, you know? Um, there's no like true love's kiss or whatever. It's just like the warmth of her love for him kind of thing. So turning that into an actual sibling relationship isn't that far a step. But then the real genius is being like, okay, well, what if those two characters, one of them is the actual Snow Queen? That was kind of the real genius of what Disney did. Is that what if it because the interesting thing is that like it's not actually the Snow Queen's power that even kind of really freezes the kid. That There's like something having to do with a troll mirror and stuff. I don't know. The, the, the original story is kind of weird and confusing but um, they, the Snow Queen's just kind of there as like a, a lore to get the kid away and, you know, like, I don't know. She's a plot point. She's a, she's a MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. She really doesn't have any kind of character or whatever. It's just like, uh, oh, be, beware. Winter has a personality. Ooh, you know, um, you know, this might actually be the beginning of the new Disney trend. Where you know, we, t- we talk a lot about the what we have termed new Disney, where the, the fact that they don't have a a mustache twirling villain as such. Yeah, it's trauma is the villain. Yeah. Or, you know, some kind of personal growth you have to go through or some kind of family thing you need to do or, you know, an environmental thing you have to overcome. But there's not so much like a single person like Maleficent or Jafar or Ursula or, you know, kill the bad guy and you're done. And this is possibly the first of that type of movie. Because while there are villains in it, there are people with bad intention toward the main characters. The movie is not about overcoming those people and killing them and ridding the kingdom of them. That's not the main plot. That's that's a side quest. And they don't even know about that until, like, you know, the last, like, 
15 minutes of the movie, <laughs> you know, like you're, you spend the whole movie thinking like, oh, there's Alan Tudyk, you know, he's Duke Weaselton, oh, he's going to be the villain. And then like, he's a non-factor for the entire film, you know, mm-hmm. and we're off on this other story. It began with two sisters. And it ends with two sisters. Yeah. And you think, like, you know, th- there's all these these plot threads, you know, throughout the movie of, like, oh, now we need true love's kiss, and now we need this, and now we need that little thing, and, oh, this is going to be the bad guy. And none of those are the villain. None of those are the solution. There's not really a villain, and the solution is just, you know, hey, we gotta care for each other, and we gotta love each other, and we got, you know? So, this, I think, was the original break from the Disney mold, and I don't think it gets enough credit for that. So all the stuff we see now that we've talked about, all the stuff that we've seen in the later movies that have come along where they go like, oh, you know, Disney movies today, they don't even have a villain in them and stuff. I really do think it started with Frozen. I mean, Encanto, Raya... Moana, even Strange World, if you want to go in that direction, really, even I would even put a little bit of Big Hero 6 in here because while turning red, turning red. Yeah. I mean, Uh, Disney movies today, like they don't really have the Disney villain. And while I love a Disney villain and you can say like oh you know I kind of miss like the big Disney villain song this was meant to be the big Disney villain song and then they realized like actually it's not the Disney villain song it's the Disney hero song it's sort of an I want song but yeah they, they meant to write a Disney villain song and they wrote the perfect I want song this was already a movie where it had a it had Two I want songs already. <laughs> I mean, do you want to build a snowman and for the first time in forever are perfect I want songs and somehow Let It Go is a better I want song than both of those really good I want songs. Yeah. The Lopez's just couldn't stop writing I want songs. <laughs> they wrote 20 songs for this movie. And 20. they're all bangers. And only eight are in this movie. <laughs> and I think an additional eight ended up on the soundtrack that they, that they cut. So it's like they just kept on rolling out all of these songs. And there's a bunch of songs we'll probably never hear <laughs> of a movie yeah, that never got made. <laughs> they've they've played like little snippets in like behind the scenes things of like stuff that got cut and every every time i hear just like pieces of things that they wrote for this that weren't used i'm like man that's as good as anything that ended up in the movie it's just for a different movie i mean 
the uh, the previous one, the the uh, the previous Ice Queen version was supposed to have Alan Macon doing the songs, and I believe he performed one of those unused songs. So it's like there's also a bunch of songs for a movie that never got made. <laughs> How many? I mean, there are at least so there is at some point somewhere between twenty and thirty songs for about four movies that never got made, and they're all based off the Snow Queen. Everybody talks about. And let's just jump into it because we were going to talk about it at some point. But everybody talks about how, you know, queer coded this movie is. And I don't think it was ever going to be possible to make a version of this movie that wasn't. Because first off, it's a Hans Christian Andersen story. So that's already baked in. Every time somebody pitched a version of this movie, I th- I think like you know there there was going to be a, a version of this at some point with Ashman and Mencken, so that was going to have like <laughs> you know you know there was a version of this that went through Ashman and Mencken, so that was automatically um Harvey Firestein pitched a version of this movie, so that was definitely going to be. <laughs> and then somehow the Lopez's wrote Let It Go, which has to be the most amazing coming out of the closet song. <laughs> you know, she's written. free. She's free to yeah, be herself like... for the first time in her life. She is allowed to be herself. If that's not a coming out song. I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, immediately, like, every every LGBT person on the planet heard this song and was like, oh, okay. I mean, it started the Give Elsa a Girlfriend movement. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, that's that's why I think having seen Frozen and hearing that at some point this movie was going to be about, like, the perfect man melting Elsa's stone, you know, ice cold heart, you know, and you're like, ew, you know, it seems so horrifically icky in retrospect, you know. And of course, this movie does have one of the most adorable little bits of Disney yay in it, which is, you know, Oaken and his family. Where he's like, oh, go into the sauna and meet my family. And it just opens for, like, just a second. And there's, like, his husband and his kids just sitting in the sauna waving at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's never remarked on, you know? It's just this happy family. (laughs) Like This movie, it breaks the Disney mold in so many other ways. Namely being the first Disney movie really to call out... Uh, the first mainstream Disney princess movie to call out, excuse me, you literally just met this man and you're about to get married to him. That is not true love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. En- en- enchanted, yes, yes. We we have to point that out because people will complain. But Enchanted, yes. But this is the first time a movie in the Disney animated canon has pointed out the ridiculousness of Disney animated tropes. With a literal Disney princess who is a recognized part of the Disney princess line. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, as 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 much as much as we love Enchanted, 
um, and have said so, it's not part of the recognized Disney princess line. Frozen is. Um, so, you know, this is this is part of the official Walt Disney animation canon going like, okay, we realize how harmful that trope has been over the years. And we're we're finally going to say something about it. Yeah. Um, which is a departure. Um, and it turns out to be a correct departure. Uh, because they show immediately that that guy is there with bad intent. You Everyone know? has seen this movie. I, I, I don't yeah, think we we're, can we're spoil not, here. Like, yeah. let's see. You've Everyone seen this movie has... five or six times at least. If you have kids, you've seen this movie 27 times at least today in the last <laughs> week. Yeah. Um, so, so the, I mean, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's just dive into that. The third act heel turn of Hans. The unnecessary third act heel turn of Not in the movie, because it's good in the movie. I'm talking about the character showing that he is dumb. Because throughout this entire movie, he's shown that he is a capable leader, a capable ruler. He's showing all of these great qualities. If he had just waited, he is the youngest of 12 brothers. He has waited. He knows how to wait. If he had just waited yeah, this 13. out. He's, he's 13. There the are thir 13 in the family. He has 12 older brothers. Yeah, so he knows how to wait. So if he had just waited his turn, waited another movie, he would have been king of M Arendelle. But because he couldn't wait, Kristoff is. The commoner, the ice traveler, is now king of Arendelle, and you're cleaning up reindeer poop. Way to go, Hans. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I, li I like it because it is a good lesson to learn for kids. I mean, if you're going to take Disney movies as, which a lot of people do, I'm not necessarily saying they have to be. I I do think that in, you know, a company as big as, as Disney and with what Disney has become, they know their place in society now. And so I do think that there is a bit of responsibility, you know, that what, what, what's that phrase about with great po power? I, I seem to remember somebody saying something like that. Yeah. 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 Somebody yeah. that Disney wants to promote for some reason. <laughs> Got a right uh, in their parks and everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but they, they do have great power, and there is responsibility that comes along with that. So, uh, if if you're going to teach certain lessons, you know, that's a that's a good one to teach. Is that not everyone always has your best intentions at heart, and uh, some people will want to use you for you know the position you can give them, and the you know. The yeah, he, power no. that you can give them and and stuff, and that was that was what Hans was trying to do. I mean, he he did not want to wait. He wasn't just it wasn't just the air in the spare 
<laughs> it was the air and the spare 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 and the spare. Yeah. He I mean, was he, a he, prince, he, but he was yeah. the 13th in line to the throne. Unless he wants to 86 all 12 of his brothers, which would be very suspicious in his kingdom. Yeah. He had to find another queen to marry, which that was his plan. He was going to marry Elsa. Oh. That was his plan. But then he ended up running into Anna instead. Yeah, so then his thing was, okay, get rid of Elsa and make Anna queen. And, you know, that was going pretty well for him. Until uh, he until he decided to do the freaking heel turn. Again, if he had just kept his mouth shut, wait a movie, he would have been king. <laughs> or stay in the room with her until she's dead. And then walk out and be like... I don't know why people... I mean, she was at death's door. You should have just stayed in the room for a few more minutes, you know? I, I, I don't... Uh, you know, you're you're saying, like, wait another movie before you... You know, but he didn't know that all that was coming down the line. What I'm saying is he has a, you know, half popsicle... Anna lying there who just said I will be dead in a couple of minutes without true love's kiss and he's like okay I'll just lock you in the room and just assume you're going to be dead later that's the, a crappy James Bond villain move right there yeah, the, stay the, in the room wait until she stops breathing talk about your Disney tropes that's yeah the one, that's the one Disney trope they fall through in this movie yeah oh yeah oh but there's there's one thing that not like I'm giving villain lessons or nothing, but <laughs> make sure the hero is dead before you walk out of the room. Yeah, but I want to I want to I want um I want to talk about one thing, and it's bothered me ever since this movie came out, and that's Kristoff. Because at the beginning of the movie, we see baby Kristoff, all cute little baby Kristoff and baby Sven. Helping out the ice pickers, help you know, picking out ice in his own little way. He is a child. I assume that one of these people is his father or at least some sort of relative. And then he's all of a sudden adopted by trolls. Where is his actual family? Han and we also not only do we know that he is taken in by these trolls, but we know that these trolls have the ability to alter the mind. The troll woman says, you're cute, I'm keeping you. Where is, who is Kristoff's parents? Why have they not looked for him? And why did this troll kidnap this child and evades him as her son? I always thought that Kristoff was an orphan. But because of the way that the other uh ice pickers did not give him any help did not wait for him he had his own sled he wasn't part of the team he had his own sled his own reindeer his own you know i think that that was a street a street child trying to make money i wish that was explained better in the movie i i just I think that if he had been part of the group, somebody in the group would have been like, 
come on, Kristoff, keep up, or like, you know, or helped him, or, but they all treated him like he was underfoot and paid very little attention to him. I think he just followed them around and tried to get like the, the last little bit of the day and tried to sell it for a little bit of extra money. So when he saw the, the ice from Elsa that night, he was like, wait, it, I don't have to climb that mountain and, you know, deal with all that stuff. Here's ice right here. I can sell it. And that's why he followed. And then when the troll was like, I'm keeping you, he was like, well, okay, seems seems a good deal, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a home. Because he wasn't, it was the middle of the night. And where was he? He was sleeping under a tree with Sven. That does not seem like a kid that has a home. Possible. I, I just wish it was better explained. Yeah, it, 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 sh- it probably should be better explained, but it, it definitely seems like he was an orphan to me. Yeah. But again, it's just that one of the ten years later, that's that that thing still bothers me. The thing that I kind of wondered is he saw all of this go down and we never get a point in the movie where he was like, I saw your parents bring you here as a child. We never get that bit. He all he says is I've seen it done before. Yeah, but the thing is, is like there's only one king and queen of Arendelle. And they had two daughters, and he watched the king and queen, because the trolls said, it's the king and queen, you know? And they brought their two daughters, and he watched the younger one get, he, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, these are celebrity royals here it's it's not like he's just like oh i saw some family oh wait that that might have been you like they're the most famous people around so i i just i don't know why it never came up i i realized they had stuff to deal with but (laughs) it just they kind of had more things to deal with was this dying child No, I mean, I mean, on the on the trip, you know, yeah. with him, with him and and Anna, you know, he would he it. I think it would have been like, you know, hey, when we were kids, um, <laughs> yeah, because that would that would have been my first question. That you know, I've seen happened you before. Yeah, I've seen it happen before. A little girl, blah blah blah. Wait, yeah. I, 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 she looked like you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's one of those cut things. Who knows? But yeah. since we're at that scene, let's... The king and queen of Arendelle and their solution is to... Oh, Elsa can learn her powers on her own. We're just going to lock her in a room by herself so she learns to control her powers on her own. And our our solution is... Conceal, don't feel, don't let it show. Wouldn't the smart thing be let her learn her powers under the people that can actually do magic like the trolls? Well, maybe. But the thing is, is that, you know, in in this movie, we don't know why why she has the powers, you know, yeah. She's, she's just born with them. 
she's just born with them. So if you're watching this movie without that context, you kind of wonder, like, okay, is there not anyone else who had, like, magic that they could bring in? Like, are there no mages or wizards or, you know? Is there no way to introduce this to the people? Is there no, you know? Nope, nope. Our child is different. We're going to hide it from the, we're going to, we're going to fire the staff. We're going to lock the gates, lock the windows, and we're going to pretend that nothing's going on. And just don't be yourself, hide it, you know. That's, I mean, that's also part of the trauma. That's also, you know, one of the messages of this movie is, you know, like, parents teaching their child that's different, that being different is bad. Yeah, and it's really sad because you're told to like the king and queen and that they did everything they could for their daughter, but what they did to their daughter was just abusive i was gonna say did they do all those all what's best for their daughter or did they do what was best for themselves the trolls kind of started it by saying that there was great beauty in what she could do but that people would be afraid of her and they went oh there's gonna be some people who will be afraid of you okay fine Let's lock the door and never expose you to those people. Which is an understandable reaction. You know? Mm -hmm. You want to protect people you love from people who would hurt them. Especially if if it's a child. You know? Mm -hmm. If you've got children in your life that you love, no matter what your relationship to them is you do kind of want to wrap them in bubble wrap and be like nobody can touch this child because i love them so much and i absolutely understand that protectiveness you know you do kind of wish you could just lock the gates and keep them in the house and be like okay nothing will harm you as long as you're inside these doors but that's also not living the solution to that is not stay inside your house the solution to that is make the world a better place and this was the king and queen who had the power to do that yeah this these are people with actual real societal power you know, um, so if anyone had the power to make the world better for their daughter, you would think it would be them. But, you know. You have the point. Like They could have easily sent for some sort of wizard or other ma- kind of magic user to come to them saying, hey, our daughter has magical powers. Can you help her? Or, like I said, you have the trolls. They know magic. They could have helped her. But the thing is, is that 
It's not even so much. I mean, yes, there is something in teaching Elsa to control her magic because that is. There is danger in her magical power, you know, if if she doesn't control it. Yes. You know, this is kind of an X-Men, you know, thing here. But, you know, once again, jumping ahead and and spoilers their thing of conceal don't feel turns out to be the exact opposite. What is the thing she needs to do at the end? Let she needs go. to feel. Yeah, she needs to she it, needs it's to not feel love. letting it go. She needs to feel specific emotions. What is the thing that brings the ice storm? It's fear. What is the thing that melts the ice? It's love. love. And if she'd been feeling love for her sister that whole time, she wouldn't have been casting all those strange icicles and, you know, freezing the the room that she was in and stuff because she would have been happy and she would have been, you know. But it's also her own fear. I hurt my sister. I'm going to stay away from my sister so I don't hurt her ever again. But when did she hurt her sister? When her sister jumped too far and she was afraid she wouldn't catch her sister. It's when she lost control of her magic at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. While they were having fun and playing, she's casting all these little flurries and it's nice and soft and powdery and her sister's jumping and they're making snowmen. It's really fun. And then Anna jumps a little too far. And Elsa gets scared. And she casts an icicle and it goes astray. And that's when we have the accident. Mm-hmm. It's the fear that makes the, the problem. But every time Elsa is calm and feeling love and joy and whatever, she makes these beautiful shapes. And the big thing we see during the coronation is nerves. She's nervous. Yeah, she's afraid of people finding out. She's afraid people will see what she is. So she starts freezing the the scepter and the orb. She is afraid that Anna will find out about her magic if she touches her. She's afraid that she'll hurt Anna again when she comes at her in the ballroom. So she casts the icicles. She doesn't dance at the at the at the reception because she's afraid she's going to free somebody or hurt somebody. Yeah. And here's the thing that I didn't know this until right now we're having this conversation. They never talk to Elsa. Grandpappy, the troll here, never talks to Elsa about what happened. Talks to the king. Wouldn't it make more sense to talk to Elsa about what's going on? And this is another one of those those things that, you know, like, you know, talk to your children, trust them. These are people and trolls that seemingly do not trust the child in this moment. Yeah, they don't ask her what happened. They just come in and immediately say, Elsa, what did you do? And, you know, you know, if you've ever been playing And something happened, whether it was an accident or somebody else's fault or whatever, you know when parents come in and immediately start blaming you for whatever happened. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's nothing you can do to explain it. Because they've just decided it was your fault. Or insert whatever adult figure is in charge at the time. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's immediately what happens. She has no time to explain. She has no, you know, and immediately they're whisked off to the trolls. And the trolls are like, here, put on these gloves. And then the father's like, eh, you know, we'll we'll just lock the castle away. And she never has any say in it. Mm-hmm. But every time we see her create something that is dangerous or whatever, it's always when she's afraid. And any time we see, you know, yeah, things like Marshmallow even. (laughs) She's she's afraid. Yeah. But what's so funny is when she's not afraid anymore at the end of the movie and Marshmallow persists, what happens? Marshmallow finds, you know, it's the the little post-credits scene, but Marshmallow shakes off all those icicles and it's just a snowy, puffy little puffball and it puts on a crown and it starts walking around being happy and stuff, you know? (laughs) And all, but when she sings Let It Go, it transitions from a horrible windy blizzard to all these beautiful, clear, perfect ice shapes and gentle snows and beautiful fractal patterns. And even when they get to the castle, Kristoff looks at it and says, I've never seen ice this beautiful. I'm going to cry. Because that's what she made when she was happy. I mean, it's that first moment in at least 10 years, if not more, where she's allowed to be herself. There's no restriction. She has not, she's not going to hurt anybody out on this mountain. So she can just let go and just do, go to her heart's content. And, you know, as she says, she's free. And she doesn't have to learn that. It's natural to her. She doesn't have to practice it. She builds an ice castle and clothes for herself with barely a thought. Because it's emotional. Her power is entirely emotional. And that's the thing her parents never understood. And by making her afraid all those years and by keeping her locked up all those years, her parents made it worse. I mean, unintentionally, I don't think her parents were doing it because they didn't love her, you know, anything. Because I don't really think that most people or most parents are that, you know, have that kind of malice in them. I really do think the parents in this were desperately trying to do what was best for their child. They just got it very, very wrong. And then they died. <laughs> well, yeah. And then they died going to Bell and be sweating. Uh, <laughs> Their parents are dead. <laughs> it's so sad because you. You get the feeling that in the time they were around, they spent so much time. Devoted to. Trying to get Elsa's powers under control. 
that they completely neglected Anna for those years. And it's such a tragedy what happened to to both girls, of course. And it it, it kind of changed. It kind of puts uh, it put Anna in a weird position through her life because she thought, oh, Elsa was the was the favorite sister because mom and dad spent more time with her, not understanding that they were trying to help her with her powers. Well, and that it was all done to theoretically protect Anna's life. Mm -hmm. Because she had those memories taken from her, which also was a thing she had no choice in. I mean, that's that's also horrific. Is, you know, they said, oh, you know, we'll. We'll leave the the fun you know, we'll leave her memories that she had a fun time with her sister. We'll just remove the the bit where her sister had magic. But, you know, removing any of that is cruel. Because then she's just confused over why her entire family cut her out. You know, she has no context for that they were even attempting to do this for her own good. I mean, it was, it was all horrifically miscalculated, mm -hmm. but at least she, she would have known that they were attempting to do something good for her. Yeah. I mean, this is also uh, talk to your children, explain the situation, but. Their whole thing was we we we, we can't tell uh, we can't tell Anna Anna anything. Leave her out of all these conversations because we tell her that Anna uh, Elsa has magic, it could kill her and give her all those memories back. But, yeah, so it's it's just tragic the entire way around. Yeah, of course, and then it leaves Anna so desperate. For any sort of companionship that she's the perfect target for someone like Hans. Because she's been told this is your one day of freedom where you get to see other people. So, of course, the first guy that seems halfway decent and interested in her, she's going to be like, yeah, sure. I'm I'll marry you. We can move your entire family into my castle. Please bring all of the people you want. Uh, just don't leave me alone again when the doors close at midnight, you know? People forget that when you when you isolate someone like Anna mm. or Elsa even, um she was a bit older and a bit more resilient. But the both of them have been living in isolation so long that it puts them in a bad spot in different ways for being manipulated by others. And it's why Hans and Weaselton, Wesselton, uh, are able to cause so much chaos in the kingdom 
when the doors finally open. Yeah. I mean, the first two-thirds of this movie, we're led to believe that Wesselton is the villain. Because I'm yeah. going to come here, I'm going to extract their resources. And if you see Queen Elsa kill her... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's very much set up to be your traditional Disney villain. Mm-hmm. And you're set up not to like him because of, you know, his weird antics and, you know, his dancing and, you know, I mean, they, they set him up perfectly. But then his bigotry and his immediate reaction to oh, Elsa has powers, we must be afraid of her. She's a witch. And, <laughs> you know, him getting the crowd to react in a fearful way and, oh, look, she attacked me and Anna being like, no, you just slipped on ice. That's It's not an attack. You're just clumsy. And, you know, it plays right into every fear that Elsa has been told her entire childhood. That the second anybody sees who you really are, they're going to react with fear and derision and you know. It's it's very much the 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 mob from from Beauty and the Beast scene. You know, instead of the beast will come up for your children, is like Elsa's a witch, she'll freeze us all. Be afraid of her. Yeah, and it it does play in that same kind of scene except Anna is Belle at that point. Um and no, even, no and, pun intended. And even uh, Hans is is granted he's 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 putting on a uh, a performance here. He's putting on a guise, but he's also saying, yeah, uh, you know Anna's right. Everyone stay calm. And you know, this is an accident. It's fine. We'll, we'll settle this. We'll figure it out. Only for him to do the the heel turn in the third act. The thing is, is that he's still trying to. I mean, he's playing long game, and you got to give him credit for it because he hasn't been able to marry Anna yet. So he has no claim to Arendelle. So he's just worried about keeping Anna safe until he can marry her. If Elsa gets killed, then Anna assumes the throne. He can still marry her. He's, his plan still works. Which is why he goes after her. And he's got to keep up that ruse of, I, I love her. You know, I'm the good guy. And, you know, doing... up until the moment they get married. Yeah, and even, you know, even when Anna isn't there, he still has to keep up the performance for the public by, you know, hey, let's, you know, get let's take all the blankets that are in the are in the castle and give it to the people. Let's let's oh, let's get the food together. Let's do this, this, do that. Yeah. Showing that yeah, you know, if if he was a better person, he'd be a great ruler. Even if he is thirteenth in line. Well, the thing is, is that we don't know what his plans are once he's the ruler. I mean, look at the people he's aligning himself with in order to gain his power. Yeah. 
But the, I mean, I mean, it's nothing that's not in real life of people being nice to assume a role of power and then screwing everybody over. Yeah. And you you have the feeling by the end of the movie that that was probably going to be his plan. You know, had his original plan worked, you have a feeling that Anna would have had some mysterious illness or been thrown by a horse on a ride or, you know, <laughs> some other strange accident, you know. Uh, oh, you know... Fortunately, she gave birth to an heir, but unfortunately, she died in childbirth. How sad. You know. Yeah. That that kind of thing. Uh, you, you have a feeling that Anna would have not been long for the, the world uh, had they been married. I think that it's really cool that you think that when Kristoff enters the picture, even if you think that like, oh, okay, this is her real, you know, love interest or whatever. In a traditional Disney movie, he would kind of take over the hero role now. Mm -hmm. And while he is a hero, the most amazing thing about Kristoff is he never overpowers Anna. You know? Yeah, Anna is like, very much the hero in this entire movie. Yeah, uh, Anna has the ideas that he might go like, well, it's kind of a bad idea, but I'll I'll let you go through with it up until you're the, the point where you're in danger. You you're know? the princess, you're in charge, sure. You know, and, and he'll just, he'll, he'll stand next to her and you know let her do the thing and you know like her climbing the mountain or whatever he'll stand there and let her do it until she asks for help or you know sees another way he might smirk at her or whatever but he's not gonna make fun of her and he's not gonna you know he'll just be like all right you know you you want to do it that way you can do it that way but you know when when you if you ask for my help i'm going to be here until then you know you you do your own thing um and it's only like if her life is absolutely in danger right now that he might take over you know like with the the ice the snow anchor and the rope and you know where he he's also, like, no, 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 we are being chased by a monster. We're about to die. I know what I'm doing. You know, hang on. He uh, he also respects boundaries. You yeah, know, like, he never kisses her or anything without asking. Even when the he, trolls are like saying, hey, you two should get married right now. I was like, no, no, that's not why we're here. Hold on. I know you're doing the big song and dance fixer-upper song. We need to calm down. We need to stop that right now. There's bigger yeah. things at, at stake here. But, you know, he he's the one that brings up how ridiculous it is to marry someone you've just met and everything. And also, you know, we're not really going to talk about the second movie, but their relationship is allowed to grow over multiple instances. 
you know, there are short films and Christmas specials and all kinds of stuff. And their relationship just kind of evolves. It's yeah, it's and more it's it's probably one of the most natural growing Disney relationships because traditionally it's, you know, it's what this movie is making fun of. You get the meet cute, you get the love song, you get married. You know, that that is that is the Disney way. And this one was not that. Their meet cute is him covered in snow saying you're 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 blocking the carrots move. They never Yeah, get... and it's it's really not until the very, very end of the movie where Olaf kind of looks at her and is like, Boy, you're you're really kind of not with it. Like, yeah, he likes you. Duh. <laughs> like and it's it's the very, very end of the movie when they finally kiss. And it's it's like a really chaste kiss, too, even for a Disney movie. And there's no there's no suggestion that like and that kiss is and we're about to get married. That kiss is like, and would you maybe like to, to go to dinner now? Yeah. I mean, it's a very much a like, hey, I kind of like you. Do you want to do you want to start maybe dating and see where this goes? <laughs> Which is very slow for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when she's in the castle after, you know, they he brings her there. He he doesn't rush in and stay at her side. He's like, OK, as far as he is concerned, Hans is true love. I'm going. I've done my part. I'm going to walk away. But you know, then, and the it's crap. only when he sees that the kingdom is in danger again because of the storm cloud that he turns around and goes back. He's not necessarily going back to declare his love for her. He's going back because there's danger. Kristoff's uh, uh, a good dude. And you know, and hit the 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 running gag of doing uh, Sven's voice for him. She'll die out there. Yeah. On the on that, the fact that Sven is animated and has the personality of a dog. But yeah, Sven very dog like personality, very adorable. Especially him and him and Olaf and him trying to eat Olaf's carrot nose. Yeah. Can we can we just talk about Olaf for a second? Because Olaf is the divisive part of this movie. He's he's the merchandise. He's the merchandisable one. Every Disney movie has at least one character that you're gonna make all the merchandise off of. And when this movie came out, I was working in a kid store at the time. There were Olaf dolls everywhere. Everyone wanted an Olaf doll. And there were people who were annoyed by Olaf just because he's just the naive one. He's so they kind of saw him as the annoying one. And he, to be he's fair, he's the it, one for kids. Yeah, but he's the one that kind of became the one everyone wanted to see because, you know, he's the one that gets the shorts on Disney Plus. Retelling these Disney stories. I like Olaf. And and I also, let's be real, 
there were people who kind of see Josh Gad's voice as a bit annoying. I mean, I, let's let's. It is. I mean, the the particular voice that Josh Gad uses. Yes, it is mostly his own voice, but it's the cadence that he uses when talking as Olaf that can be seen as annoying. But you know what? I don't care. I like Josh. I like Josh Gad well enough. I I don't. I don't care. And, and it's a, I it's, like Olaf. It's the same voice he uses for for Arnold in in Book of Mormon. Hello, would you like to change religions? I have a free book written by Jesus. Yeah, I I don't I don't care. I I I like Olaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop hating on Olaf. He's fine. He's fine. Oh, I. I, I did find Olaf a bit creepy originally because when the movie came out, they had these animatronic Olafs in the theater, and like they, they were just like the creepiest things I ever did see. But, I mean, an, anim- an animatronic Olaf just out in the world somewhere might be a little creepy. I'll, I'll give you that, but just as a character in a movie, I don't, I don't care. He's cute. He's cute. He's got some cute jokes. I've been impaled. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, I have been impaled. <laughs> Watch out for my butt. <laughs> That's, I mean, it, it, it's funny. It's funny. And, and a lot of that is fine. just on Josh Gad. A lot of that is just Josh Gad being Josh Gad. He's a, just a funny guy. But you know what? It's, he gets a lot of the, like, really weirdly important lines in the movie. Someone worth melting for. Yeah. And just I I like I like the idea of a snowman who's just obsessed with summer, summer and heat and <laughs> and hot. <laughs> yeah, and hot chocolate and <laughs> the thing to the thing to me like there's, uh, you know, I've mentioned it on the show before, but I, I have a, I have a medical condition that like, it, it, it makes me constantly cold, even when the temperature around is very warm, and so like when Anna starts having her, her bits where she's constantly really cold and they're trying to warm her up and stuff, I feel for her so much. And like then her fingers start literally turning blue and stuff. And my fingers do that. It's really creepy when it happens. Um that everything and I'm like, oh poor girl, I feel for you because I know exactly how that feels. <laughs> so um it doesn't it doesn't take like a blizzard or anything for it to do. Like I can open my refrigerator door and it'll trigger it and stuff. It's like really weird to watch it happen. Um it's it's really really bizarre, but uh, I I just feel so bad for her when those scenes happen because I'm like, oh, I know how that feels. <laughs> I just want to throw an electric blanket around her and be like, it'll be okay, sweetie. Um, but uh, it's just weird weird things in Disney movies I relate to. Yeah, I I like I like the resolution of the the film that because I it was one of those weird things and we've talked about a few of them before that I've 
I've had like, you know, the lightsaber going to Ray instead of going to Finn and, and stuff that have like really hit me as like, I really thought you were going to go a different way with this. And when it gets to the end of the movie and you've got Kristoff racing towards Anna. And Anna realizing that it does it is fact Kristoff that truly cares about her. Yeah. And she just gives that up. She sacrifices herself to save her sister in the yeah, ultimate act and, of love. And her and her, you know, turning around instead and saving Elsa and turning to ice and then that being the thing that saves her. Not the guy, but her love for her sister. And not Elsa's love for her, but her love. Her act of love. They even say it's, you know, because traditionally in these movies, an act of true love, they even say it in the movie, is true love's kiss. But in this, it's, it's a different kind of love. Love is still love. But it's that, you know, it's Anna's love for Elsa. It's Elsa's love for Anna. Yeah, I mean, even in the original story, it's the the little boy that's being, you know, in danger. And the little girl who lives next door to him is the one who has the love that saves him. And so it's always, you know, somebody else, you know, loving you. But in this, it's her loving somebody else so much that actually saves her own life. Which I think is a really good message. That her salvation is not dependent on somebody else. It, her salvation is her own act. Which is incredible you know it's not something like beauty and the beast where it's like you have to prove to somebody else to get them to love you it's just her being willing to love another person that much and i think i i think that that's possibly the most incredible moment and that it's not romantic love either yeah it's familial love it's it's the love between two sisters yeah, and then um, uh, and then uh, Anna shows that she has a mean right hook. Yeah, and that and that it's you know you don't necessarily have to kill the bad guy. And I like that I like that Kristoff is ready to stand up for her, but as soon as she's like, no, 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 I got this. He's like, all right, you go. It's okay. I'll let you take care of it. That is not emasculating to him at all. He's like, no, no, no. I'm all right. I'm fine with that. I'll stand. I'll stand here and watch it. Okay. And, and then he's uh, proud of her. Like he's like, no, 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 that was that was a good one, you know. <laughs> um, and he also doesn't feel the need to jump in on the moment between Anna and Elsa. He just stands by with Sven, and he's like, no, nah, this is a nice moment. I can wait, you know. And then he does, and he gets his kiss later, and it's perfect and wonderful and great, you know. But, like, that moment is for Anna and Elsa. Yeah. You know? And he doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm here too. You know? Um, him and Sven just stand there and they like, aw, you know? 
is great. She punches Hans right off the ship <laughs> and he gets arrested and banished and sent back to his kingdom with a note to his 12 brothers that like, hey, this dude really wants a throne and he's willing to kill for it. And uh, maybe you should watch out for him. I Have mean, fun with that. <laughs> the only throne he's the king of is the toilet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, Wesselton gets uh, sent back with a dissolved trade agreement between his kingdom and Arendelle. I mean, his men did try to kill the queen of Arendelle. Yeah, we, we kind of skipped over that part, but he did send two of his men to actually shoot crossbows over and over again at Elsa. And we get her happily ever after until the second movie. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but El- Elsa... You know, she once once she realizes that love is the way to melt the love melt that the, she's that she's caused. Love you know, melts the, the frozen heart. <laughs> the people welcome her back as queen, and she apologizes. She's like, "Hey, but, so, so sorry about that." <laughs> but you know, like you said, it's Wesselton that starts the hate. Without yeah. Wesselton there. Everyone is accepting of their queen. Magic powers and all. And we get that that ending that, you know, it's it's also the ending of, you know, so many lessons taught in this movie of acceptance and accepting people who are a little different and accepting yourself and your own differences. And it's, you know, the love of family. There's so there's so many great lessons that this movie teaches that. I think a lot of people are very dismissive because it's just a silly Disney movie. Yeah. And I mean, she's able to create a constant flurry over Olaf's head so that he can. So he doesn't constantly, melt. <laughs> so that he can constantly uh, have cold just over him. So he doesn't melt. Um it's such a sad day when he's like, this is the happiest day of my life and maybe my last as he's <laughs> melting. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> like, um, but uh, I think it's it's a, a cute little ending of, you know, Elsa being finally able to properly use her her powers and the the people kind of being like, okay, turn the courtyard into an ice rink and, you know, we can all go skating in the summer and it'll be cool for the children. And, you know, and like, um, and they, they have a little, you know, play day in the, the courtyard outside the castle and that's it. And she promises that, you know, they'll, they'll keep the castle gates open and, you know, Anna can have her freedom and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice, ending you know like, like she's no longer afraid and as you said you know fear was what what was causing her to lose control of her power now that she's no longer afraid there's no reason to keep the doors locked she can keep the gates open for everyone yeah and one of the other kind of really cool things about this film is that elsa gets to be queen and nobody's like mad about her not having a king they're just like, yeah, that's Queen Elsa. She's she's the queen. We're we're not making her get married or anything. Yeah, 
They never question which, that, you know. Which I, which I like. They're they're just okay with it. That's her sister, Princess Anna. We're we're cool with her too. We don't care if she gets married or not. That might be her boyfriend, Kristoff. We're not sure. We don't question the reindeer. It's <laughs> fine. Also, there's a sentient snowman now. We're not questioning that either. <laughs> like, I do like the part where Chris Kristoff is like. All right, I'll meet you at the castle. Stay, stay low and don't, don't cause a scene. And he's like, "All right." And then the next thing you hear is like, "Ah, it's alive!" And it's like, "Hello." (laughs) (laughs) My only complaint is is probably the only complaint so many people had about this movie is you have your Jonathan Groff, you know, the original King George the Third from Hamilton, Broadway legend, and you give him one song. About reindeers are better than people, but they make up for I mean, it that in the sequel. A banger! <laughs> it is. Reindeers are better than people, but I can't. They make up for it in the sequel, <laughs> and boy, do they! Yeah, his his song in the sequel also excellent, excellent song. But yeah, I mean, reindeers are better than people. I'm not going to disagree with that. I've never met a reindeer. But they are better than people. <laughs> a lot of things are better than people. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything is better than people. So, Kiki, let's wrap this up. Ten years later, Kiki, it does does Frozen have the magic? Oh, absolutely. This is such a cute movie. And dare I say it, progressive movie? It was such a groundbreaking movie for Disney in that it changed so many things in the way Disney did things. I mean, this really is the start of the new Disney era. Some so, people yeah, said, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, people said it was the start of a new renaissance. A renaissance that's still going ten years later. Uh, I would say absolutely this movie has the magic. If even if you're a parent who is sick and tired of seeing this movie 30 times a day, there's still good in this movie. There's a reason your kid is watching this movie 30 times a day. And you know what? There are much worse movies your kid could be watching. This movie has a lot of excellent uh, lessons to teach a kid. And honestly, a lot of lessons to teach a parent, too. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, I forgot to mention it, but that this was, this did win the Best Animated Feature Award that year at the Oscars. Was the first Walt Disney animated feature from uh, the first feature from Walt Disney Animation Studios to do so. And that was not a Pixar movie. Yeah. So it, it deserved that. So. Yeah, this movie, 10 years on, still has the magic. And I don't care if you're sick of hearing that song. Let It Go is still an absolute smash of a song. It's a a showstopper. I mean, it literally is the showstopper in the stage production. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that this, that frozen, literal frozen fever sweep Disney that we meet... That they had to sweep and 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 scrape and that we need to put something frozen in the parks because this thing is more popular than we thought it was going to be. 
And now we've got rides in Epcot. We got a sing along in Hollywood Studios. We got a Broadway show. Yeah. I think this may have been the fastest they turned around a film into a Broadway show. Oh, yeah. It was only, a, not, again, but within what, four or five years? Uh, yeah, this is definitely the fastest turnaround from Disney stage, uh, Disney film to stage production, but it deserved it. There, you know, this movie deserves all the accolades it got, and it's still good. Definitely still has the magic. Absolutely. Next week, Kiki, it's time to get back in the TARDIS as we are continuing our 60th anniversary retrospective on Doctor Who as we talk about the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton. It's really it's going to be really fun to go back to the Troughton era and just talk about that version of Doctor Who. Um, so you have a choice, Kiki. You could play the recorder or you could wear the kilt. Well, I mean, it's less of a kilt if I wear it, more just a plaid skirt. So I'm really good on the recorder, though. <laughs> so come back for our continuing retrospective on 60 years of Doctor Who next week. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. If you want to help the fight for human rights in the U.S., the American Civil Liberties Union works to protect constitutional rights for all Americans. Their website is aclu.org. If you need reproductive services in the U.S. or wish to donate to those who do, go to abortionfunds.org for more info. The battle isn't over until the last person surrenders. The fight continues.